Hello and welcome everybody. Today we got a special guest on this episode of Let's Talk. We got Prad Shaker, CEO and co-founder of Skylight Health Group Inc. Welcome Prad. How are you? Doing well. I'm glad to be here. Yes, and I know uh, a lot of your investors are really excited for this as I saw from the Twitter. Well, I, I went on Twitter and let everybody know that I was going to be doing this interview and there was a lot of engagement. People are excited and people are excited what's happening with Skylight right now. We, this is our second time talking. The, it is, yeah. And you know what was funny? I'm not sure if you, you probably wouldn't realize, but I was looking back at the first time we spoke, we are at the exact same price level in your stock as the first time we spoke. <laughs> so after that- Yeah, we've had a- after that first, we had a big run up in the stock. And then we went through yeah. a length, lengthy consolidation period. And yeah. now uh, and now the stock's got a lot of excitement again. How do you feel about the stock uh, action that you've recently been seeing? Are you even paying attention? Um, look, it's, it's, nice to, it's nice to see positive momentum and negative momentum, but it doesn't change what we're doing here. Um, yeah, I guess I guess I'm happy that uh, people are able to see the growth in their returns. But you know, again, it's nowhere near where I think it really should be. So you know, to me, it's great. But you know, we're looking forward to much more growth. So we're uh, I don't pay too much attention, but um, certainly you know aware. Okay, so awesome. Thank you. Investors are paying attention. Everyone's always watching, but they want to know what's happening behind the scenes. What's the company working on? So talk to us. What, what is the company doing right now? I know there's a rumor about a NASDAQ uplisting. We'll talk about that. But tell us, what's happening? What's new? What are you excited about? Um, so many things. I mean, you know, we've, uh, we've seen a really transformative past seven, eight months, right? And, and all the way from the rebranding to Skylight Health, um, you know, the successful growth in the share price, allowing us to be opportunistic with, uh, you know, with really strengthening our balance sheet, uh, strengthening our own position of no debt, um, and, then, and then making really key acquisitions over the last several months and being able to formulate our story the way we want to, but now being eight months into the point where we're starting to execute against the story the way we want to, I think is, is a really good feeling to have. Um, you know, we know the market we're playing in in the U.S., you know, this sort of multi-trillion dollar healthcare space, the managed care industry is a, is a, is a really burgeoning growing sector of that, of that, of that healthcare industry. Um, insurance companies are, are innovating and changing the way that they look at reimbursements to family doctors for delivery of services to patients. The whole industry is shifting towards uh, a sharing of risk. And as the cost of healthcare continues to rise, and insurance companies are looking at this as, a, as an opportunity to bring the physicians into the, into the sharing of that risk of cost, the upside potential, if done successfully, is enormous. And you know, you're seeing companies like CityBlock today that are generating over $30,000 per patient per year. And you know, that's if you look at a traditional family doctor that you know, practices under the old fee-for-service model, like their revenues per patient are, are maybe two to $300 a year. So the, the upside is astronomical. And, you know, we're just, we're excited that Skylight's found a really unique way to drive growth in that space. And we're seeing a lot of companies now that have been doing this for some time, you know, approach the public scale and um, Oak Street Health has been there for some time, but we just saw Agilon Health go public last week. And um, AGL is their ticker, and and there's going to be more behind them. And the benefit is all these companies are trading well above 10 billion in market cap, 
And there's a ton of institutional capital and interest and research in the space. And Skylight's playing into that model with a very different approach at a, at a much lower entry point and, you know, are, is going to benefit from the type of, uh, you know, attractiveness this industry is going to be receiving here for the next few years. So we're certainly really excited. Um, the acquisitions we've made have, have all been progressing very well. Um, we've been able to map out the road in terms of how we see the conversion to this managed care market work, how we go from being fee for service to, you know, this potential capitation model that allows us to really increase the care to patients, but also the, the revenue generated on a per patient economic basis, um, which then translates to the overall growth of the organic side of the story. Um, and we believe 2021 is going to be another really important year because it, it A, continues to be based on execution of acquisitions, but B, we're actually going to start to be able to report on those uh, managed care contracts with payers and um, you know really be able to tell that story of, of future growth as we, as we move forward. So we're just all super excited. Um, we have a great team, We've really bolstered our leadership and operational team, brought on some great people onto the board. Um, I couldn't be in a happier place. And you're right. I mean, to top it all off, we've got the NASDAQ uplisting imminent coming up. You know, we believe we're, we're through, you know, where at least we need to be from, from both an SEC perspective and, and shortly from, from a NASDAQ perspective. And yeah, we're geared up. We're ready to go. We're, you know, we're, we're cashed up the right way. And we've got a ton of opportunities that uh, still need to be catalyzed on this year, um, capitalized on this year. So in a good place. Awesome, Fred. So that's a lot of information there to unpack. <laughs> a lot of good, a lot of good stuff. Yeah. I'm sure you're, you asked me a loaded like, question. Yeah. I gave you a loaded answer. Well, you, yeah. you, you delivered for sure. <laughs> I want to no. touch on two things that you mentioned there. One was, well, you started off by saying you, you think the stock price is undervalued. And then you talked about Agilon. Agilon, A-G-L. Agilon, yeah. Agilon. And that was one of the writing questions. So you talked about being undervalued and you talked about this $10 billion market cap that some of these names are playing at. So I just mm -hmm. want to go straight to that question. With your comparable uh, grew revenues, 200 million to 1.2 billion in only three years, A-G-L, that was expected to list at eight to 9 billion exceeding expectations. Now the market value is at 12.6 billion what do you think would be considered fair value for your NASDAQ IPO? I, uh, I went uh, silent there for a minute. Oh, yeah. So I might've yeah. lost that question. Yeah, I apologize. Looks, no, no problem. looks like we did have a little bit of interruption there. Some technical difficulties from Zoom. So I'm gonna reiterate that question. You can hear me now. Okay. Right? Yep, I can right. hear you now. So you talked about your stock price not not being fair value as to where you think it should be. And then you talked about Agilon, $10 billion market cap. Uh -huh. So one of the writing questions that came in here from uh, Twitter was, Agilon grew their revenues from 200 million to 1.2 billion in only three years. They were expected to uplist at about eight to 9 billion exceeding the expectations. And now they're valued at 12, 12.6 billion. You guys, your current market cap right now is 246 million. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, the question is, where do you think the fair value is and expectations of your NASDAQ IPO? Okay. Well, I think it's every CEO's job to continue to say we're undervalued. Um, but you know, the reality is the, the Skylight's trading at one. I mean, I haven't seen what we closed at, but we're trading at about four to five times, maybe, you know, 21 guidance, right? And, and, and keep in mind, 21 guidance is, is not reflective of run rate revenue. It's just based on, you know, our approach to, 
to valuing deals that have closed and certainly doesn't reflect what we have in the pipeline. But, um, you know, based on, based on current, you know, multiples, you're seeing Oak Street, you're seeing Agilon, I mean, they're all trading at, at north of 10, 11 times um, forward-looking revenue multiples and, and even higher if you look at sort of the year beyond that. Um, the number one feedback we have heard consistently from analysts on the US, um, and keep in mind, these are analysts that, that cover Oak Street and, and soon will be covering companies like Agilon, and, and we expect we'll, we'll in, in time with some of these larger banks initiate on Skylight and some of the smaller ones certainly sooner than later. But um, the one feedback we continuously hear from, from the analysts is multiples follow organic growth. And if you look at Oak Street and you look at Agilon, both of these companies demand a pretty high multiple. Now, of course, they're much larger, they're highly capitalized, revenues are, are higher, um, but certainly doesn't justify the, the valuation gap between Skylight and some of these companies today. And, and we believe sort of there's two reasons for that. One, um, you know, being largely a Canadian traded stock until now, um, you know, we're, we're comped against more Canadian-based companies as opposed to being comped against the U.S. companies. And, and I think we've done a fairly good job in the last several months of really highlighting who our comps should be and, and, and Canadian um, analysts and, and, and sort of Canadian investors being able to now point to those companies a little bit more uh, rather than the Canadian companies we were pointed to. And so I think that's number one. And I think you'll see that valuation really kind of reflect based on what we're getting in terms of both demand, but also visibility into how Skylight competes with these companies on the US side with that NASDAQ uplisting. Um, secondly, uh, these companies are, are leveraged on organic growth and they're, and, and they're valued on the revenues that are earned in these companies. And, and keep in mind, those revenues are managed care revenues. They're not necessarily fee-for-service revenues. And so there's two things that'll happen in Skylight's evolution that'll again support its thesis for, for closing that gap, but then also really driving stronger multiples as we continue to grow. Number one, although Skylight has a base, uh, basis of growth based on acquisitions, you know, we're not acquiring like larger sort of consolidators like Kano Health, where our focus of acquisitions are high-priced managed care risk-bearing entities. We're not paying 12 to 13 to 14 times EBITDA. We're focused on um, smaller independent fee-for-service practices where we're able to price these deals at three to six times EBITDA. And we're getting at a far more favorable prices while still very aggressively growing in patient population. And so if we look at the last six months, we've acquired over 50,000 patient lives through the acquisitions that we've made. A company like Oak Street's taken nine years to be able to get to 90,000 patients. So first of all, the inorganic growth is coming in at more favorable prices, but really where the analysts are putting the higher multiples to will be organic growth. And so companies like Kano that are already acquiring um, practices that have that have taken on risk, their ability to increase that revenue is not as significant. If you look at Oak Street, you know, they're organically building, the whole business model is organic. If you look at Agilon Health, Agilon's more of a JV partnership model. So they don't acquire, they, they tend to go in and partner with doctor's offices and create a JV around managed care. But again, all the growth is organic. Skylight's very similar. When we buy these physician practices, they're under the old reimbursement model. Their revenues are two to $300 per year per patient. And then what we're doing is we're converting them into managed care practices. And that managed care revenue is reflective of several thousand dollars a year per patient or more. And all of that is coming post acquisition. So that revenue that's generated is organic revenue. And again, part of the reason why we believe we'll be in line with the higher multiple range, because the type of revenue that's coming in will be managed care revenue. So higher quality in terms of how it's being assessed today and organic, which again, will demand a higher, higher multiple. So, you know, I think NASDAQ uplisting combined with managed care conversion combined with organic growth is, is really playing into where the analysts are looking at and how they're looking to value 
um, companies like Oak Street Health and Agilon. And so that's, you know, how we potentially see, you know, we're not going to just expect tomorrow that, oh, all of a sudden we should be multi, you know, valued at 10 times. The goal is we will be, and, and, and but we're going to work towards, and here's how we know we're going to close that gap. So that's, that's what we're focused on. Awesome, Brad. Thank you. Thank you. So back to the NASDAQ listing, as you referenced a couple of times there. Now, the NASDAQ listing for any stock coming from a Canadian exchange is really a carrot. It's low-hanging fruit. It allows short-term traders, very similar to myself, to take part in a stock's momentum into that uplisting. I'm sure you're not looking for that, right? You're looking for the long-term growth out of this. So why is the NASDAQ listing important for you and what doors is it gonna open for you? Sure, I mean, look, we, we recognize the value that all kinds of investors have played in, in our journey to get here today, right? I mean, you know, look at the growth since September of last year to where we are today. And there's been a combination of, you know, uh, retail traders, day traders, institutional traders, and and, and buyers. And, and it's obviously helped, you know, build an exposure and, and build the overall market cap and presence of Skylight, which has opened us up to bigger and broader institutions, which continue to further strengthen the cap table as we move forward. Um, look, our plan for the U.S. is, is highly institutional based, right? And we look at different companies that have gone public and, and our advisors are, are well experienced in the space. I mean, they've, they've taken these companies public successfully many times and done it themselves, including with companies like Grogen and and, and you look at what has made these companies really successful, um, apart from having a very good business model and, of course, executing as per plan and hitting your milestones quarter on quarter as per the analyst expectations, has been, you know, really building the right type of infrastructure from a shareholder base perspective. So, you know, whether we're looking, whether investors are looking at this as a momentum trade into the NASDAQ, it's really important for us to say, look, the NASDAQ for Skylight is a starting point. Right? It's not the destination. And, and, and maybe that's the case for some or maybe not the case for all investors. But you know, to me, if, if, if the NASDAQ's the exit point and you make a return on it, great, but you're going to miss out on a lot of growth that's going to come post. And, and the reason I say that with, with confidence is because we spent the last several months um, marketing the story in the US and we focused 100% of that marketing on institutional-based investors that are managing multi-billion dollar asset under management and they all invest in healthcare long only um, stories. And the demand that's been built up from these investors, we believe is, is very significant. And that pent up demand that we believe will now have a chance to participate in Skylight post the NASDAQ uplisting. Now, again, this is all subject to, of course, getting there and then getting that demand translated. Sure, it'll certainly help to soak up some of that uh, pressure we might see from traders that see it as a destination. But look, our job between now and then is to make sure that investors in the company today and new understand that the NASDAQ uplisting is a chance for us to be in a market where U.S. institutional investors that understand the space well, that award multiples to organic growth as they are to companies like Agilon and Oak Street, where Skylight has a potential to go from being a $200 million market cap company to a, do, to a $2 billion plus market cap company and beyond is very much in the near future. And it's based on our existing infrastructure and, and near-term goals. So, you know, to me, again, I'm in it for the long-term as a founder, um, never sold a share, continue to accumulate. And, um, you know, my goal here is to, is to make the best possible outcome for, for everyone, including ourselves and, and the business and the patients. And so that's, that's, that's what my answer back to that response might be. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Pratt. Continue to accumulate and never sold a share. I love it. Um, betting on yourself and your company. So we're talking about the NASDAQ. What about the TSX? Um, 
it's probably next in the cards. Um, our focus first was to get onto the NASDAQ because that's where you know, the largest sort of institutional market we believe for the story will be in terms of you know, companies that are performing like us. And again, very important for us to be comped against the companies you know, we believe we should be comped against. Um, I think Skylight has and, and will continue to be and part of where I, I believe we're offering another very good investment opportunity is Skylight's an investment place, an investment vehicle for the US healthcare market. It's, you don't see a lot of companies in that space playing and providing that opportunity for Canadian investors. So I think the TSX for us is a very natural next step. Um, it allows us to be um, more visible to larger Canadian institutions. We've already seen great interest from, from larger Canadian institutional banks. And, and certainly we believe that, you know, post the NASDAQ and once we get through that as the number one priority for us right now will be to be able to turn our attention to, you know, to moving up on the, on the, from the venture to the big boards, again, with, with, in, with an eye on, on, on broadening liquidity, stronger institutional capital, um, and really kind of driving that story forward, but keeping that opportunity for Canadian investors to, to really continue to play on that U.S. healthcare space. Awesome, awesome, thanks, Brad. So, I mean, the business is American driven. We have COVID going on right now. How has either your limitation of travel or what's happening with COVID closed some doors from you, created some obstacles or even opened some new doors? Tell us about it. Um, ask my operational team. They'll probably say that it's helped their lives a lot more that I'm not uh, continuing to fly down and visit the practices. But uh, the, the, the reality is, you know, uh, the team that sits here in Canada is, is, you know, both myself and my co-founder, a few of our sort of corporate executive team members, our technology team sits here. But really the, the core of the operational and day-to-day -day and strategic teams um, are all U.S.-based. And so we were, we were very fortunate this year to, to really kind of find and, and, and attract some exceptional talent. Um, and I'm talking about talent that, you know, I would have never otherwise thought would be sitting alongside me in our, in our sort of executive and operational meetings today. And these are folks that have demonstrated success at, you know, multi-billion dollar healthcare systems and are bringing that knowledge to Skylight and saying, look, you know, we're not looking to be part of a large corporate not-for-profit or, or you know, making slow steps or taking two years to decide what EMR system we're going to implement. We want to be part of a fast growth story and, and we know what it takes to scale. And, um, you know, we're here, we're here to see that growth happen. So for me, it's been exceptionally rewarding. Although the one thing I do miss is being able to have human contact with, with my team, but um, it's been exceptionally rewarding to be on Zoom calls and, and, and see these people in action and see the results taking place. So I don't think you know, as unfortunate the COVID situation is, I certainly don't think the restriction on travel has really impaired our ability to, to demonstrate growth. In fact, I'd say, you know, we've grown at, at a faster pace. And, and I don't think that's because we're not able to travel. I think it's because we spend less time traveling and more time focusing on the business. And so, um, you know, one day the borders will open up and we'll get a chance to go in and I'll meet in person. But until then, it's not stopping our initiative. We're, we're, we're going at full speed. Awesome. And one of the questions in relation to this that was written in from Twitter, do you have any plans of moving headquarters <laughs> to the U.S.? Um, quite possibly. I mean, you know, let's, let's define what headquarters is. You know, one of the things that I think COVID has taught us is um, you can do a lot virtually. And I remember trying to recruit talent and you could only recruit talent based on your geographical region or who's willing to move to your office because guess what we need to see each other every day and we need to work in person every day and and that limits your ability to find really great people and 
Um, you know, my, my, my chief operating officer that joined us from Providence Health lives in California. You know, our, um, our, you know, our, our chief medical officer that joined us from TriHealth lives in um, New Mexico. I mean, we're, we're all over the map. And that's the benefit is we've been able to bring on really great people that otherwise I would have been restricted to because they don't want to make the move to wherever destination in the U.S. we set headquarters. So sure. You know, do we have a U.S. headquarters? We already have one today. I mean, is it a corporate headquarters? Not yet. We're still Canadian based, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that specifically either I have to move there or the teams have to move there. It's it's really just a central point to have a, you know, my perspective, a mailing address. Otherwise, you know, the businesses operate locally. We operate per state. We're going to be a national organization and we're going to have exceptional people who can who can do their work really well as long as they get it done. It doesn't matter where they're sitting across the U.S. That's that's my take on it. Awesome. Awesome, Fred. So let's move on to a couple more questions that were written in. Uh, Fred, are you going to get a Twitter account anytime <laughs> soon? You know, people have asked me that before. Um, I think before I get a Twitter account, I need to set up my basketball net for my son. I think, you know, <laughs> in order of priority, he's been bugging me longer than people have for a Twitter account. Um, short answer is, yeah, I probably will get it. Um, but um, look, there's much smarter people than me communicating our message. We have a great IR team that continues to keep folks updated. Um, I want to spend all my time on, on, on building our teams and growing the company and making sure that we have the right market out there for us and, and bringing the best returns possible to everybody. So sure, we'll, we'll do the Twitter account at some point. But until then, um, I'll work through much smarter people that'll be much smarter saying things than, than I would be on Twitter, trying to figure out what a hashtag is or, or how to use that in the most effective way. Awesome. Um, another question here is, do you expect to announce a credit facility post NASDAQ to help fund the $100 million in revenue and acquisition pipeline and prevent further shareholder, shareholder dilution in the next 12 months? Yeah, I mean, look, it's a really, it's a very interesting question. The, the, the answer to that is yes. Um, we've had several conversations with multiple credit line facilities, traditional banks, both Canadian and US based. The reception has been great. Um, you want to be careful with debt. And, you know, we've, we've had this issue in the past where having debt at the wrong time or having debt with the wrong, you know, metrics around it can often sometimes hamper growth rather than support, even though it's, it's there with the right institutional group or, or supporting group. Um, the answer is yes on debt. Um, we believe that, you know, equity so far has been the cheapest form and we're okay from this perspective today from a cash balance perspective to know the near-term acquisitions that we have with pending catalysts are gonna allow us to see a higher value. But at the same time, um, leverage does provide more opportunistic capital when the time is right. Um, the pipeline is, has never been more full and robust than ever and healthy. And so I think as we continue to move through here and, and you know, we're presented with a number of different equity and debt options. It's just the natural course of marketing on, especially to the U.S. institutional side. And we're keeping our, our eyes open and, and being opportunistic. And partially the reason why we filed the base shelf is, is to make sure that when we decide to do what we need to do, we have the we have the vehicle to do it with and we can we can capitalize it with the right time. It's not like the intention is to go there, do it all right away. It's that we have the opportunity to. And that's really why we did that. And of course, the second reason was the perspectives was sort of the uh, that the next major inflection point to getting cleared in order for us to, to get the uplisting to happen. So that was really the trigger point that started that. Okay, so to elaborate, elaborate a little bit more on the uplisting, what, what is your time frame timeline that you think before you could get through all the obstacles to get uplisted? Um, look, if you ask me, I think we're through most of them, right? Um, 
but you know, it's, it comes down to the official letters that you get. Um, when we started this process months ago. So the, the good news is because, because we're a foreign public issuer um, with, with sort of trailing history in Canada, we qualify under a much more accelerated um, listing process. We're not going to the traditional sort of, you know, S1 filing and, and following a 30 day SEC review. So for us, it's really, you know, we file a short form prospectus in Canada. Um, typically it takes us two weeks to clear a prospectus here. We filed it last week. So, you know, by the end of next week, technically we, we could be at final in Canada if pending comments are all clear. And then once that's done, effectively, the US looks at that and says, okay, if you're cleared final in Canada, if we don't have any more comments, you're from an SEC perspective, you're cleared to list if the exchange is good with you. And so, you know, that, that for us really kind of gives us a, a green light. And, and so far from an SEC standpoint, there haven't been any comments with regards to our listing. So yeah, we're, we're pretty comfortable that from that perspective, we're, we're sort of cleared and, and, and ready to go. Um, the NASDAQ, of course, on its own is, is like most exchanges backed up. And, but the good news is we've had constant dialogue back and forth with the analyst. And we've had several comment letters go back and forth. And, and I'd say the last one that came a couple of weeks ago was pretty much in softball territory. And um, at this point in time, you know, you know, without having officially received the letter, I can't say it, but I should, I, I say it with, you know, some level of understanding that we shouldn't see any major roadblocks on that front. So um, from a timing perspective, I'd like to say, you know, May, um, I'd like to say closer to mid-May, but uh, again, you know, my promises are, are really kind of bent on receiving official documents, but, um, you know, I, right now we're, we're, we're hoping that mid-May is really the time that we get to go here, so. Awesome, awesome. And like you said earlier, NASDAQ is not the destination. No, it's not. Yeah. It's good to have sooner than later because we believe it's, it's just timing is so perfect. I mean, we just have so much on the go. Um, we've got deals that we need to, you know, start closing and announcing. We've got news flow. We want to be able to follow. But it's really important that we have the right market, you know, the right analyst coverage south of the border, you know, the right sort of investor base that's, that's going to take this company up to the next level along with the shareholders and base we have today. So for us, it's, it's really just a, critical milestone, but not the milestone that's needed. So what is, what is the, what is the destination? Like, what are your, what's the big thing that you're really excited about? Um, I think the big thing is making a dent in this market. And, you know, to me, looking five years out, um, I think Skylight's going to be, you know, people have asked me this before about, you know, is Skylight a, a national name? Is it going to be the brand of the practices? And, we have a different approach to how we think about that, but five years from now, you know, Skylight is a name in the healthcare space that is a leader in the managed care services. There's so much ground to cover in the U.S. that it's not Oak Street or Agilon or any one of the companies that are going to come public that are going to take it all. And what Skylight has done is found a unique approach to getting to that destination. And in that unique approach, far few players that are doing it similarly. And so, while it's always a race to the destination. In five years from now, you ask me, Skylight is, you know, I can't even fathom what, from a revenue standpoint, where we could be, but we are a major player in the space. And, you know, I think even companies like Oak Street today are just kind of getting started. So, you know, think about that growth they're going to see. Think about where Skylight can be alongside companies like that um, with a real institutional shareholder base, you know, with, with strong research coverage, you know, with great shareholders supporting our growth, a growing team, a national presence, um, you know, this is really going to be a long-term story. So we're, we're pretty excited. And um, I think five years out, we're going to be, you know, looking back and remembering those kind of early days. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, it's a nice, it's a nice roadmap. It's a nice destination. 
what are some of the obstacles that have come up along the way that we don't know about that we're not thinking about that you can sure. share with us? Yeah, I mean, look, to be fully honest and transparent, you're a growth company through M&A. The number one risk that comes up with any consolidation play is integration. So, you know, we'll make mistakes, I'm sure, like any company will, but they're not mistakes that can't be fixed. I am full confidence that we have a team in place that is there to make this the most successful it can be. Um, but integration is always a big risk. And we're taking all the right steps to make sure that we do our right due diligence that we select the right type of companies. Um, look, one of the things that really makes the story unique in Skylight is we're not setting up brand new practices and trying to hope that we'll grow patients. We're buying existing practices that already are cash flow positive. And more so importantly, we're aligning these founders with the opportunity to really kind of get further value downstream. And so you've got this right mix of you know, um, established practices with existing revenue and profit that are kind of geared for takeoff into a new reimbursement model with founders that can be aligned with your growth in the future. And all the while you're building an infrastructure on the back end that's going to support that organization's growth. And so, you know, I think where you are in the storytelling curve here is you've got acquisitions that have been done, you've got teams that are in place, you've got integrations that are happening, and you're in hyper growth mode. And so you're always going to be cognizant of our, of our teams and our capacity and our infrastructure. And we're not going to go out there and make, you know, undisciplined acquisitions and pay way too much for deals or take on more than we can chew. But at the same time, we're also not going to slow down growth. So I think managing both of those things is really critical. It takes a lot of focus and a lot of discipline. Um, and sometimes you get distracted and you see shiny, attractive objects that get really, you know, interesting and it could drive revenues up in the short term tremendously, but long term, it's not going to have the impact you need. But again, it's, it all comes down to a really good team and, and we've got a really good process in place to make sure that we check and balance. And um, I, I, I can guarantee you there's going to be no shortage of growth in the near term and, and medium term as well. So, you know, I think we're, you know, I think we're, we're always, to me, that's if things were to go wrong, you know, we lose our approach to focus, which, which is what we're going to be you know, making sure that we don't do. Awesome, Brad. Um, another question here written in from Twitter. This one in relation to the potential NASDAQ listing is investors are curious about a reverse split. Yeah, this has come up a fair bit of times before. Um, you know, the answer to that is I don't, I don't, we don't have a specific, you know, consolidation as to what that's going to be. And the reality is it's probably not going to happen until, um, right before the NASDAQ uplisting. And so there's a lot of, there's still time between now and then to, to look at how the market goes. There's a lot of factors to consider. It's not just price, um, it's, it's cap table, it's institutional support. Um, and so, you know, we leverage a lot of our capital market strategy from our team south of the border. Um, we work with a lot of really great banks, um, you know, and, and the benefit in that being that there's some really exceptionally smart people there that have done very well for investors, um, you know, It'll come down to our board. We've brought on some really great board members like Patrick McNamee and, and you know, who, who understand sort of what it takes to really build a, a multi, multi-billion dollar company. And, and I think this is all going to go into a factored equation and, and whatever decision we make is going to be made in the best interest of where we think um, shareholder value will, will grow aggressively with the company um, as we continue to execute. So that's, you know, we're not going to do something here that's going to affect shareholders and in any negative way than it, than it needs to support company growth because that's really how we're going to return back value as we continue to grow. Awesome. And our final Twitter question was, 
What is the expected 2021 organic growth? Um, so it's a, it's a bit of a moving goalpost. And the reason I say that is because, you know, when, when we first started on the value-based conversion conversation, some of the timelines on conversion might've been a bit further out than we anticipated. And the reality is some of the acquisitions we're making today have the capabilities to actually start taking on risk-based contracts sooner. And so, you know, without, without kind of putting myself ahead of some of those statistics today, um, we believe that this year we will start to take on risk-based contracts. And, and where before I might've said at the end of this year, I certainly think it'll be before that. And so um, organic growth is gonna be largely driven through efficiencies that we generate in the practices. And you'll start to see those efficiencies kind of really take place um, you know, in, in, in two to three quarters, you know, as we continue to execute and you start to see those materially transform into the PL. But the conversion and, 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 the, and the sort of acceleration to take on um, higher margin risk-based contracts become a risk-bearing entity, I think can be sooner than later this year. And so that's going to change how we look at sort of organic growth for the better, not, not for the worse. And so in the meantime, you know, we've got deal flow that we're working on from an from an acquisition standpoint, you know, that if we wanted to just go well into the end of this year. Um, but, you know, we know that there's continually more coming to the market and we want to be prepared to handle that as well. So we're exceptionally busy on that front. Um, and on the organic growth side story, which is the whole sort of conversion from fee-for-service to value-based care, we think that we can start hitting some of those, um, you know, some of those checkbox or checking off some of those uh, checkboxes um, sort of this year. So I think we'll, we'll be able to report that more, more, um, accurately um, in the coming quarters. Uh, but like anything else, you know, the way we set revenue guidance today is based on what we know has already been done. Um, that allows us a chance to be able to communicate growth in a more meaningful way. Um, so that allows us to bring that news back to, to the market in general. Awesome, Brad, thank you. And that's all the questions written in from Twitter. I think it was a fantastic interview. I loved what I heard. Was there anything that you didn't get the opportunity or a final message that you want to send off to your shareholders or prospective shareholders moving forward? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I want to thank, you know, all of our, all of our shareholders, all of, you know, certainly all of the support that we get. Um, I certainly appreciate all the criticism and all the questions and all the um, you know, it keeps us honest and make sure that we as, as operators understand our, our role in delivering value back to our shareholders, you know, without which we wouldn't be able to continue to grow. So first of all, just a big thank you in general. Um, I think opportunities like this give us a chance to really address questions one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so, you know, more of a chance and never hesitate to reach out to investor relations and we'll do our best to respond to those kind of questions. Um, and I appreciate more than anything else, the patience. And, and what Skylight is building is not a, not a short-term, you know, destination NASDAQ story. Um, this is a company that in the long term is going to you know, reward highly, I believe, shareholders, including myself, um, but it's, it's a process and, and anything in healthcare is a bit of a process, but the results are, are, are quite enormous. And so, you know, we believe that we have all of the right pieces in place to build a very successful company and story um, and we're executing against it. And, you know, um, my, my appreciation to our shareholders for patience and uh, of course, our job is to deliver growth during that time, which which we will do as well. So, you know, certainly looking forward to this uplisting and in, in sort of a sort of a another major catalyst. But at the same time, um, you know, look forward to a lot more of sort of acquisition, organic conversion based growth um, through through 2021 as well. There's certainly a lot more to come. Awesome, thank you. And for those out there watching this video, SHG shareholders, don't forget to like, don't forget to comment. This will allow more exposure for the company on YouTube. Let's share, retweet this video. Let's get SHG out there in front of more potential investors. 
Thank you for taking the time, Brad. Oh, that, it's, been, it's been a great interview. Thank you so much. Awesome.